0: This is Karen Hunter and welcome to The Hub. Let me welcome to the show. She is a powerhouse dynamo doing a whole lot of things that's all great. And I'm, I'm sad this is the first time she's on the show, but I imagine it won't be the last because I'm constantly uh, excited to talk with people who know some things. Let me welcome Michaela Angela. Davis. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I always when I see your name, I think uh, I think of Angela Davis, of course. And I was like, was she named after her? But then then I'm reading a story. You were supposed to be Michelangelo because your mom went to the Sistine Chapel, thought she was having a boy, had a girl and then freak, you know, did a remix on the Michelangelo, which is dope. Uh, Going through the world with such a name, though, and then mm-hmm. Angela Davis, it's like a, it's like a convergence of art and activism. And and that's exactly what you became.
1: Look at that. Indeed. You know, and it's interesting. I remember the first time I met um, Professor Davis and it was at Essence Festival and we key keyed about how we get um, mistaken for each other and the certain situations that will put us in, but the honor of it is more than anything else. And, once I got fake protested, because this is so sad, but they thought I would, I um, Angela Davis was supposed to speak at a some conservative college. And they made posters with the, you know, like the cross through it with my picture. Uh, and I'm like, you know what, y'all, this is a university and y'all don't even, y'all can't even Google, right? Like, so, you know, they were, So that that's kind of my claim to fame. Um, I was fake protested as Angela Davis. I love it. Um, I love it. We were also talking a
0: little bit off mic um, about you being out of the keynote speaking panel space because you were on for a minute, you know, every panel that had to do with race or anything, you were there. I tapped out a long time ago. Like I refuse to go on, um, even though there's pressure yeah. to always go on like, nah, that two minute sound bite doesn't actually heal or free anybody to me. I don't know what your
1: impetus was for not doing it anymore. Well, it, you know, it's interesting that you talk about healing and, and, and why, because I really, when it, when it, when it, um, when it really set in me that I don't know what this is doing to me. Like first it was from a personal point of view, like ever from the moment that Trayvon Martin was murdered, you know, I was a commentator on CNN at the time and from his murder all the way to the massacre in Charleston, I was talking about black death and blunder and um, terror and terrorism in four minute sound bites you know and it was over and it was just body after body story after story and i knew that something had like your no one's spirit can take that let alone their intellect and you know and everything else but there's i felt like there was something happening on a molecular level that was dangerous mm-hmm. and i didn't know i didn't know what it was i knew no one was studying what was happening to particularly black people um taking on this constant cycle of death and snuff mm-hmm. films, and you know, watching and so th- so that became like the first moment. Like I don't know if this is safe for me, and and like you said, I don't know what what good it is doing. Often, you know, I would hear from people, and particularly young people, and this was interesting to me because I didn't know they were even watching CNN like that. But like you know, being very grateful. That I was at the table. So there's a part of me, it's like, okay, you know, how long should you be at the table? When is it time to push away? And after the, um, the election, the Trump election, that's when, you know, the table just got dirty, like Come and on. disgusting and brutal mm. and idiots were pulling up at the table, like next to me. You know, I remember that that was one of the things too. Like, I remember it was during the um, it was before the election. It was during the uh, RNC, and I was on CNN, and some you know Trump pu- uh, pundit was sitting next to me, and and she knew nothing. Like, she knew nothing about anything, and I thought, you know what? I I have worked my whole life to get this little seat. You know what I mean? And and I, I also even know that my proximity to whiteness, my light-skinnedness, helped me get there. I understood how I got there, but I understood also the journey that it took for a black woman with a with a blonde afro to get on TV. And this chick can just pop up out of nowhere, like mm. like white mediocrity gets put next to black excellence and made to like perform like it's equal. Yes. And I'm Oh no, no kids! Like no, we're not doing. Like it dawned to me, but she got to sit next to me. Like yes, like yes, yes. What did she do? You just
0: articulated something that I knew from jump. Oh my gosh! Thank you for saying that. And and the responsibility for those of us who view should be the same. So I'm on a on a cable news fast, which I'm going to continue Mm -hmm. for probably the rest of my life because. As I do a dollar cost analysis on my soul, I'm like, I I can't invest my eyeballs, my time, my algorithms into something that could care less about me that's only putting this trauma porn on for ratings and for advertising, for money, for money. They don't care about the solutions. And once I realized that, they don't care to solve the problem. I can't participate. And if I participate, then I'm complicit. So you Mm -hmm. made a decision.
1: Yeah. I applaud it. and, and the reason why I got there in the first place is because I love black people. I love black women and I love, and it is an honor and a privilege for me to be in any kind of position where I'm representing or, you know what I mean? Like, but so that got that that got shattered when I saw that they, yeah, they don't really care about us or the solution. And is this the best way that I can serve black people? And once that, you know, once that, um. Yo, once that, that administration came in and it wasn't just like mediocrity, it was trash. It was like, y'all can just get in on some trash, you know, and we have like toiled to the point, like, you know, even thinking about today in the, you know, anniversary of Tulsa, like what we have been through mm. and we what we continue to go through and y'all can be lying, undereducated dirty. I didn't want to sit next to trash. And I knew that it wasn't serving my people anymore. And even, you know, even in the black panels and the black conversations and, and interviews, I just wanted to be able to tell the truth, you know, and you have to, you, you lose some rooms, you know, when you decide that you're going to tell the truth, some tables are moved, (laughs) you know, like you're not invited to certain things anymore, but you know, at what point, at what point? And, I had no idea what we were what we were headed towards. You know, I take fasts from social media and cable news sometimes too because again, I still don't know what this is doing to us. I still don't know if we are healing or if we are being re-traumatized, maybe both of them are happening mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, this this notion of self-care which black women made popular, you know, as a term, as a as a philosophy is a strategy. It's not just some extra thing that i to go on goop and buy some, you know, antibiotics or whatever. I mean, you know, probiotics, whatever. <laughs> I'm not, it's not just about green juice. It's about um, survival and evolving as activists, as truth tellers, as people just seeking um, for our liberation because our, our aunties, our grandmothers are, you know, they didn't live Long, you know, they worked to the bone, got diabetes and died, you know, before they were 60. And so, so when we say we need radical self-care, this is because we're trying to, we're trying to live. You know, we're not just, you know, we're not just trying to like calm our our nerves. We're trying to live and liberate. And so part of self-care is removing yourself from those distractions and those you know those con- that commentary yeah. and that yeah. constant
0: you know what it is yeah no i know i mean my tap out cuz i'm i'm on the radio 3 hours a day monday through friday you know i started with mike brown on these airwaves as a trial run uh on Sirius XM. Mike Brown was murdered mm-hmm. during that August. And I won't ever forget it. Then the Eric Gardner tape. And then it was Terrence Stansbury. Right. And to me, I mean it was just a you know drumbeat leading up to George Floyd last May and then the trial. We were on air live and it was like, Where do we go from here? Because from Mike Brown to George Floyd, nothing has changed in policing. Nothing has changed. It's got worse. Racism, the the trauma. <laughs> is escalated, and these snuff films are not doing anything but rinse and repeat and on a loop in our psyche about how little value we have to a great swath of people in this country, that 74 million of them could pull a lever for somebody that would hold Come an upside-down Bible and go out there and destroy really peaceful protesters, which was the a founding principle of America. That is, there's right. nothing more American than being in the streets protesting tyranny. And yet... So I, you know, I've turned off and I won't watch a whole lot of trauma, which is why I'm not even watching. You know, I had Stanley Nelson on, I won't watch the the Mm -hmm. Tulsa. I won't watch the documentary. Try, try Mm Lee. I won't watch it because I we're living it. A lot of us, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, in many different ways, but I've seen it. I know what happened. I've listened to the voices of the elders and I've processed. And my only question, my only question is, can, what how do we prevent it from happening again that's the only answer i need you
1: know also i want to ask you a question karen do you think do you think enough non-black people are watching these things because you know i was thinking about like why is it that we knew so much about the holocaust right like generations like three generations in my family um not only knew about the Holocaust, but like knew intimate historic details about it, right? Um, and it's because the story t- that, because Hollywood was committed to telling these stories over and over and over and over and over, and over again, the, the, the film business, right? Like there's a, a Holocaust film on some level, whether it's about art, whether it's about one particular yeah, I'm just gonna say, I, I want you, you know, to
0: finish, but I remembered fifth grade playing for time Sorbibor, Holocaust, all came out, and, and I remember it, it upsetting my spirit that I couldn't go to school. I watched Playing for mm-hmm. Time. Uh, it was uh, Vanessa Redgrave, and she was yes. a classical violinist who was half Jewish, and what happened to her? Then uh, Sophie's Choice, and then Schindler's List, and and, yes. and they find a way to to put it into our spirit, and they should Yes, we get we the, I mean, get the this is, slavery movies which glorify in so many ways the pathology of america oh, go ahead i'm sorry please well, you know change. the
1: thing is and it wasn't it wasn't being it wasn't being shady about them telling the story it's about the power of storytelling and how if you tell the story if you if you own the storytelling mechanism you get to You get to be, you get to tell the story in all the complexities that it it entails, right? There's never gonna be enough, you know, there's always gonna be, if there's 6 million people that perished, there were 6 million stories at least, right? My point is that we are just scratching the surface of getting into some kind of power storytelling positioning, right? So we get to, we're going back and telling as many stories as we can about Tulsa or whatever. The, the, my, my point, well, actually my question is to, is to all of us, is, is, is it doing the same thing that, because it, it was about repetition, right? It's about repetition of these stories. It's about repetition of generations upon generations being able to talk about the same story of the little girl that hid, hid in the attic -hmm. My my daughter, my mother, and I can tell that story of that little Jewish girl that hid in the attic. Right? We don't have a common story. When my daughter saw Twelve Years a Slave, she was young. You know, she's she's grown now. She saw Twelve Years a Slave. We came out of the theater. She was pissed, and she's like, "So are there slave narratives like existing?" I said, "Of course, you know. We're in Harlem. I'm like, there like hundreds in the Schomburg, right there." She said, "Why wasn't I taught that in school?" Why, why did I learn more about the narratives of people in Europe that I don't, like those, like, not to say I shouldn't learn about that too, but why do I know more about mm-hmm. that? And I'm asking you, I'm in, I'm in high school, are there slave narratives? Like, she was like, she, she was interrogating her whole education mm-hmm. because we saw that film and she realized what she was not getting. So, and here we are, like the 1619 project being interrogated. Like, we're just trying to catch up and throw in some filler of our history of the people that live. This is y'all's history, too. This is white people's yes. history if it's American history. But why do we know more about World War Two than we know about the entire, you know, institution of slavery? Like, what? So, are so they gonna, are to, they watching or what? You know, all right, so you say you know. You know, uh, and I'm go we go let's
0: talk about it. I I love yeah. you. I'm I'm so well, I'm, I'm happy you're here. So let me just say that. I'm and happy I hope to be we continue. Uh Michaela Angela Davis is in the building. In case you didn't know, and you can follow her at Michaela Angela D on the Twitters. Two things. Number one, mm-hmm. uh Jewish people are people. Enslaved people were never people. They were slaves. Mm-hmm. So You don't have the same you have the same uh, connection to a slave as you would an animal or or maybe even less than a dog. Right. So so the the heartstrings that are pulled in America, especially when you have people still flying the Confederate flag or that whatever happened to those people, first of all, I didn't do it, number one. But number two, they probably deserved it because I think they're less than. I don't think they are worthy, you know, so there's another layer of, of a narrative that has been spoken, unspoken for 400 years that even some of us embody. Right. So you have that coupled with us not really controlling the the commercial apparatus that push out stories and narratives. So we don't tell our own stories, our stories, I, even 12 years a slave. I read the Samuel Northup account. They don't deal with his family. The, you you mm-hmm. see bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. That man had a love for his wife in a way. that There was a love story in there with his wife, with his children. There was no white savior that came. This man worked every single angle. But the mm. the front story of Samuel Northup didn't even get told. We get Brad Pitt coming in as a white knight to save. We see that. That's a trope, right? The white person comes mm-hmm. and saves the, the, the poor, downtrodden black person. It's always that. Which also feeds a narrative that gets reinforced in America, right? So we're not even dealing with an even playing field where we, uh, of course, don't have control until very recently. And you're part of that. So I want to again thank you for your position in making sure our stories are told a certain way. But there's a there's a psychology or or a, a pathos or an mm-hmm. ethos that we carry around with the value of. That's why we have to say Black Lives Matter. Do. White mm-hmm. people never have to say that, right? Because there's yeah. an inherent understanding that they matter and we don't. And that's the cry, right? Which is sad. So even when we watch these slave things, I think they reinforce an otherism of black people. I think they reinforce a, 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 an inferiority of black people. I hate the As a publisher, I'm like, if you publish anything about slaves, you're going to win a Pulitzer and you're going to win mm-hmm. a, all kind of awards. They will give an award to anything that has us looking the way they want us. So we talk about Holly Berry, Ah, she won the first Oscar won by a person playing Mammy Denzel at his worst looking horrible. You think about it. There's never these transformative like, you know, pieces like Meryl Streep or even Kate Winslet. Get, you know, we we don't get to see a full range. We're always these caricatures. And so that's what they celebrate. That's what they award. Uh, even Viola said, I wish I may maybe never played this maid. Because it reinforces <laughs> something that her daughter she can't even reconcile with that. That's not who we are. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I'm glad you asked the yeah. question.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and it, it's interesting. You played that soundbite today based on what you just said. That human zoo, like, you know, even if you're performing on the highest level possible, um, just just sports for an example, like you're you're performing beyond any expectation when, of the sport that you're in, like there was no expectation for anyone to perform, like just pick a basket from Michael Jordan or like there was no expectation when that game was devised that there would ever be people that could fly, right? There was no expectation for Simone Biles to do, you know, and Come on. and even still, you are still looked at at some as like premium chattel like you're still chattel you just might just be like the best you know of of the meat market you know but that that was such an intentional use of language today that human zoo because that's what it that's what that's what that performance was or that action. And it has never stopped. Not to say that, I mean, sports fans were never like supposed to be dignified, right? Like they go and they scream and they paint their face and all There's a certain kind of ritual, but that is, a, that's crossing over to what you were alluding to that this acknowledging that your bodies belong to, not to you and that they're you're allowed they're allowed to be harmed they're allowed to be hung they're allowed to be burned they're allowed to be you know pillaged as as a part of the american experience you know and so when someone says you know no like i think someone even commented about why you know naomi because i know you're going to bring that up her point was made today like why should she sit in front of cameras and talk about a humiliating experience for your entertainment after you after she's already performed at a level that you can't even fathom. fathom. Come on. It's, and then you gotta come and like bring her down. Cause that's what it kind of like, okay, let me bring you down. Yes. Because we control this thing. We control this media thing. We're gonna put you in front of our microphone and ask you our questions after you just did some shit. We Okay, I'm sorry.
0: Michaela Angela Davis. Uh, Mm -hmm. we were having an off mic conversation that I want to bring on on onto the mic. Um, I mentioned Tulsa, which uh, we are commemorating the 100th. uh, I don't even call it anniversary of a government sanctioned you know uh, act of war on a group of people who Mm -hmm. were happy and thriving. But you know the the trick, which Michael Harriet and a few others have pointed out, there were hundreds of thriving Black communities in America. That's right. Somehow there was a whole red summer, 1919. A lot of those got decimated. Some of them have railroads run through them. Some of them, eminent domain took over, like Central Park, Seneca Falls. You know, throughout this our history here, there have been this notion that somehow we're inferior, yet we keep building without you. <laughs> and then you keep getting mad and destroying. And so it's it's difficult today as we, you know, listen to the voices of 100-year-old people who lived 100, you think about being here 107 years with that That's trauma. That's right. <laughs> And, and my question is, we keep rebuilding. Hell, Black Wall Street rebuilt, Greenwood rebuilt, mm-hmm. and then got taken out by again government running highways through through communities and, and integration. So I asked the question, what do we do to prevent it from happening again? And you said that there there's not one solution.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think there can be because there wasn't one there wasn't one problem. Like this is this is economic it's political it's policing it's spiritual it you know there's so many um there's so much injustice there's so much um it's so complicated and interconnected so i think that we all have to just go with what is moving us so whether it's it's you know whether it's about policy do that, whether it's about on the street activism, do that. If it's anti-fascism, like anti-capital, whatever, I feel, I feel like people just need to be activated into what is pulling them towards justice. And I don't think it's one road. I think that there are several ways, like, you know, we needed Malcolm and Martin, you know what I mean? Like we needed, we need Harriet. We need, we need people that are that are fired up, and also people that hit their knees, right? So I feel it's too. We can't be simplistic. We have to hold competing truths. We have to have the courage in this generation to understand that it's this and that. It's not this or that, you know. Mm. And and that's hard because you have to you have to have a certain amount of uh, not just intelligence, but just like openness to understand that this is a complicated situation. What happened to black people is complicated. What is continuing to happen to us is complicated. That's what makes us so dope too. It's like all these facets, all these different embodiments that we can have in one human being and then in one community and then in one country and then in one global experience. That is a, it's a lot. You know, it's a lot. So we have to have a lot of different ways to, it's just like science, like they don't figure out, you know, uh, 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 antidote in one test. Like it's lots of different ways. And so I think we have, to, we have to be willing to have lots of different ways and let certain folks, you know, if you don't agree with them, like unless it's pulling on your heart and this is really how I understand how to be an activist. You really have to understand. Like you really have to get honest with yourself and what is pull, what is really calling you and pulling you, and that is your thing. Because otherwise, it's unsustainable. Anger is not, and anger and rage will not create the revolution that you want. It will not get us to liberation. It might just burn your soul out. So mm. I think mm. where, where, where I think that anger is a very um, it's energizing. But it can't be the only thing that's fueling you or you, you're not gonna make it.
0: Oh wow. Uh eight six six eight zero one eight two five five yeah I invite you to join this conversation uh if you dare. Um what pulls you? What is what is the thing that uh Clay often says, Clay, uh, I think he's quoting um who was he called James Baldwin. You must go the way your mm. blood boils. You must go yeah. the way your blood
1: What 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 you is know, pulling it, you? It's it's and it's interesting because my, my blood doesn't boil much. Um, I'm really, I just love black women care. Like what pulls me is this to be in service and love and liberation of black people broadly but black women specifically. So I'm interested in, in us living in joy and justice, black women, because I think it's just an efficient strategy for me because I feel like when Black women are, are empowered in leadership, we're, we're just efficient. We bring more people with us. We think more compl- in a more complicated way. We know how to organize. I mean, look at Atlanta. Look at Stacy. Look at Black Voters, Matt, like Black women, like whenever the Black Lives Matter movement was organized by three dope Black women we make movements move. So if you if you invest in black women, then the whole country benefits faster. That's my that's my personal that's, <laughs> positioning. So and, and, and that's the facts bear it you know, out. the facts bear it well, out. Well I I'm just saying. Here's that. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I mean So yeah, uh, l- that's what listen, I'm I'm sitting as an example here in Urban View. Uh, I said I said it and I'm going to receive all of the the flowers now. I'm not waiting, all of them, because mm. uh, they're deserved. Yep, eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. 801 8255 Speaking of a black woman, Naomi Osaka pulled out, and this breaks my heart of the French Open. They mm. fined her $15,000, but she told them ahead of time she wasn't coming. And you could find me however much. I'll pay all of the fines. I just mentally... Emotionally, I cannot do these these press conferences. I'm not. I'll pay the fines. I'll donate it to. I'll match and donate money to organizations that that because fight.
1: In 55 million last year, so
0: yeah, she was good There's with that. paying. They, that wasn't That's enough right. for them. They wanted to break her, so they threatened her with disqualification. Mm-hmm. So she said, "I see you, and I raise you. I quit. I'm dr- I'm withdrawing now. Take that." You're not going to make me come and do it. So, there's something very powerful about what she did. At the same time, mm-hmm. this woman's on a, on a trajectory, tennis wise, right. that I think is, could rival the Williams sisters in terms of her prowess. I don't think mm-hmm. too many people can beat her. I think she's the baddest young lady on the planet, right? On the planet. So, mm-hmm. now she loses the opportunity to win another Grand Slam, which she probably would have won. Yes. What ma'am. are your thoughts on this?
1: You know, I think Naomi understands her history and I think she understands that she's part of a trajectory of like they, I mean, they took Muhammad Ali's belt from him and barred him from fighting the greatest, like the greatest. So I think, you know, she sees herself in that, in that company of the Kaepernicks of the people that are just not willing to let, you know, it's like at some point you got to let the chains go. You know what I mean? And thinking that it's again, it's it's this lore of of money. And it's so interesting. I every time this kind of comes up, particularly from my commentators, they that's what they'll ask. Like they're rich. What are they what what are they what are they complaining about? They got money. Like, cause that's really their their central value system. Like these are people who jumped out of buildings and 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 left their families desolate because they lost some money. I remember when that happened. I remember when I had my grandfather was like, like, yo, white people are crazy. Like they are jumping out of buildings, leaving their children, you know, fatherless because the cra- the 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 stock market crashed. We ain't got nothing. And when like so I you're talking about a people,
0: system. you're talking about a people and I saw you tweet about High on the Hog, which is uh, gave me mm. my entire life. You talk about a people that, that took your scraps and made it into something that was delicious. You're oh, all, you want right. to give me the tail and a hoof and a snout and some intestines? Okay, watch what we do with that. That kind of ability. That's it. So if you're not eating choice meat, you're gonna jump out a window if you're not getting the
1: best of everything.
0: You, if life's not, not worth living.
1: Yeah, <laughs> if, if you're not getting, on. if you're not getting all of everybody's stuff, all their lands, all their labor, all, and now you can't control this one young black and Asian woman's decision, and it they they it makes them nuts, you know. And she's the one, you know that ha, that has is creating a legacy. We're gonna remember this little sister's name forever now. You know, even if she won the Grand Slam, like, you know, she'd be one thing in in sports. Now she's something in humanity. Yeah. And that's really the positioning. It's like when when artists, when athletes, when when black folks take knees, say no, when they don't go fight wars that they don't believe in, they they are moving humanity forward. And I think the structures that are trying to hold them don't really they don't understand it. They don't understand, like, why would you, they don't get it because they're, it's their humanity we're trying to heal. It's <laughs> their humanity. You know, it's their humanity that's at risk. We may be sick and oppressed and imprisoned. and But in terms of like our ancestors and our soul, we, like, I want us to physically be safe and move forward. And what we're, we're, we're working for is liberation honor. On a physical level, basically, but on a spiritual level, they got. Mm, I don't so. understand. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Say what less. they have to contend with—that's you know—that's what James Baldwin was talking about. Like, they got some in—they got some work to do that is so frightening that they can't. They will not look at it. Sixteen, nineteen is too scary. Like, they can't look at that. Cause then they have to reckon with the history and it's not even saying that this is you. That's why they want to stop it. They think uh-huh. that it, anyway, that's a whole other yeah. tangent. I mean, but it is, but but it's, to-
0: it, it is, it is the thing though, because the inability to be able to call the truth, the truth, because somehow you will have to change how you think yes, who you are, you know, Tony Morrison, you know, that whole white thing, that whole white made up construct. You would have, it, it, it challenges every single thing that this country was built on. Now you have to reconcile, is, is this mythology who America yeah. is? Like, what is yeah. this? 866 801 I think those are questions we should ask. Everybody should ask themselves. What makes you an American? What makes you a human being? You know, and That's if right. people, I'm a white, you're a white man. What does that even mean? What does that mean? I'm a white woman. What does that mean to you and to the rest of us? Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. What was your inflection point? What 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 was your road to Damascus, Michaela Angela Davis? What what radicalized
1: you? What happened? You know, what happened was I grew up in Chocolate City. I grew up in Washington D.C. in the seventies, and I was surrounded by so much young, gifted blackness um, that I believed it, and it got in me. And I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts and I was seen and I was supported and so much love was poured into me and so much history was poured into me. Like I knew what Juneteenth was. We sang the Black National Anthem every single day um, after we pledged allegiance. Like, so that's what it, like I was, I was given myself, um, you know, that Washington DC at that time, Duke Ellington School of the Arts at that time, really built me, you know, so that I give all the glory to just understanding or being taught and being shown our history, our culture, our genius, like black genius is not, um, it is, I expect it because that's all I saw. Like the, all my 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 uh, colleagues, the kids I went to school with, it was just boom, boom, boom. Like black excellence wasn't something we had to say, it was something we were living every day. And that was a gift. So then when I left New York, I mean, left DC and came to New York, I was full and I felt prepared. And I felt in a sense superior because when I came to the, you know, I did, I was in theater and I did league auditions and I, I knew I knew black plays and I knew Shakespeare and I knew Greek. They the school I went to they didn't study one non white playwright writer in the in American lit like no no people of color. So you don't know what I know. Plus I know what you know because I'm sitting in this chair next. That's that's my like that chair thing. Like where we sitting if we get on those courts if we get. In that classroom if we get in that courtroom our journey is so much more complicated and so much more interesting we've gathered more just to, to be in that same place your blandness your mediocrity is now it's not impressive to me i remember when i got into the institution i always wanted to be in they 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 made me seem like i should be lucky like you got accepted to blah 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 and i get in there and i'm like this is what y'all got like this is it? Like Karen and Chelsea and like that's y'all. What? Do you understand? <laughs> you know, like like Dave Chappelle went to my school and Michelle and Degger Chelly. Like, like we are dope. Like, this is what y'all, this is what you made me beg to be in, just because your floors are shiny. <laughs> Yo, like I got so like, and what they did not know like they didn't know who Tony Morrison is. They didn't know Intzaki Shange. They didn't know I like, they didn't know James Baldwin. Like I know Faulkner. Like I know Faulkner. Yeah. Like
2: you, yeah. what what
1: like so so that's the that and that's what someone like Naomi is making them see. Like I got I can do your thing plus look at me. Look at how complicated and and full of um, integrity Mm. You know, like, it's just not enough to beat your little friend open.
0: And that's why they'll give us Black Wall Street, not the hundred other plus communities. They want us to focus on that one.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Not the others, because the others tell us the real story. We kept doing it without, without your money, without your support. Circulating dollars in our own community.
1: We didn't just, we weren't just good. Who we are better than? I mean, we, we were building colleges during during the institution of slavery. I remember I spoke at a college, small HBCU, and I rolled up and it was it said established eighteen fifty six, and I just started weeping. Like this is a a whole college during slave. Like we built that while you were killing and torturing us to read like, for h-
0: reading. Like you <laughs> could die if you showed and displayed any ability to read in 1856 still building
1: still building but you know i'm like it's i I feel a lot of a lot of pride and a lot of inspiration and empowerment but i'm tired of that being the story like okay you burn it down we build again you burn down like no more burning like like that's the question how do we prevent it (laughs) like take the matches i don't listen (laughs) Uh, we won't have to talk about that off
2: the mic
0: yes uh tarina Tarina in Ohio is on. You're with Michaela Angela Davis. It's the Karen of the show. Welcome.
2: Thank you. I appreciate you. Uh, you. I appreciate the show. I listen to you often, and I'm a new activist. And so I, I, I appreciate what you guys do and how you empower us. With, um, with like, like you said, what do we do? Um, how are we asking ourselves these questions? What makes you a true American? And I was just literally thinking that because um, as a black woman, I work for an organization that we are trying to right now Reimagine, and that's Planned Parenthood. We, we are reimagining mm. what um, what what it what it looks like to be a Black woman in this organization, no. what abortion care, what health care looks like. And mm-hmm. I had to ask myself, um, wh- how am I contributing to my people, to my to, to women, to to everybody, to all people? How am I doing this work? And you know, I have I always felt like it's been a calling, and I and I didn't know what. And that's how I got into being an activist. Um, it really Planned Parenthood led me in that, in that direction. And as I started to work for the organization, it started to become fire. And When you said "Don't um, you have to be more than enraged, you, you have to take that into action, it resonated so much with me because you get burnt out on this work. You know, I um, right, facilitate right. some diversity and equity, um, things at our jobs, and it's heavy. It's heavy work. And so, I mean, I just really appreciate you saying, you know, don't get burnt out. Trust yourself. Um, follow your calling, you know, and, and lean into other organizations and people to, to find out what best resonates with you, whether it's working for a nonprofit organization, donating to a nonprofit organization. Do what um do what's best for you. And so I just wanted to call in and say that I hear y'all, I feel you, I see you, and I just really appreciate y'all dialogue. I really do. Oh. Thank thank you. Thank you. Uh that was a word.
0: McKayla, mm-hmm. uh I got a phone call makes this it weekend. worth it right no I mean I got a phone call and a and a tongue lashing from a very dear friend of mine who said baby girl you got to sit your ass down because if you're mm. not here people gonna keep going they're gonna keep moving you know the things that you think are important are not the only thing that's important is you your health staying here being here so take time for yourself I needed to hear that because I, you know, I don't necessarily because, you know, I feel like mm-hmm. if I don't do it, it ain't going to get done. You know, we have that in us, you know, particularly women, yes. particularly black women. Yes. We we feel like we yes. have to do all of the things because you look mm-hmm. around. And it's like, OK, y'all not going to do OK. I can do it. And we usually pile our plates up high with things to do and we get it done. But at what cost? So you said a word today that I think a lot of people need to hear. Sit, some of us need to sit our asses down for a minute, for a long minute. And. Take stock and take that's care a, of ourselves.
1: That's a radical act. A black woman, woman taking a nap in the middle of the day. <laughs> you know, like that's a revolution. I'm sitting here with like conditioner in my hair. Like you know, like I gotta, I gotta let my hair rest. It, there's there's a hair mask on my hair. You know, like because it's gotta, it's gotta rest. It's gotta rest. It's gotta be protected. You know, and right now we have to protect each other. There's not a whole lot of proof of anyone. Making it their job to protect Black women. So we have to protect ourselves. And I think, you know, to the caller's point, and this is what I know to be true after living a few, um, when you take care of yourself and when you find time to have that quiet, still moment with yourself, you will be given insights in how to do the work that makes you um, passionate and that moves you. That's almost the only way you can get real wisdom is by 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 quieting down. So even the work that you care about will get better if you care for yourself. Be that's still. what I have that, yes. be, be still. still. Mm-hmm. Be still. And you will get you'll get it. You'll get ideas. I mean, that's how artists work. You know, you have to you have to shut it down, you know. And and like your friend said, it's if
0: you're not here, like what's. Yeah, I, I heard it. Uh, and I, and mm-hmm. I thanked, Good. I love him. Uh, 866-801-8255. But it's good to have people in your life, too, because a lot of us fill our lives with with noisy people, with noisiness, with people who will, you know, praise you and who will go along with every, every little hair, brain, skin you have. But what we need are people who are going to check and challenge us and call us out of the blue we're not expecting that right. just you are on my heart I want to tell you yeah. that that and you know ah okay respect uh we need that um and some of us need to be that for others um 866 so uh Michaela Michaela Angela Davis is here uh Monique uh who's you know mm-hmm. very very uh you know very bold in in her proclamation she was uh traveling to Jackson Mississippi for a gig she said she was astounded by how many young sisters She saw wearing head bonnets, scarves, slippers and pajamas and blankets wrapped (laughs) around them at the airport. She said, I've been seeing it not just at the airport. I've been seeing it at the store, at the mall. She said, when do we lose our pride in representing ourselves? When do we slip away of let me make sure I'm presentable when I leave my home? And she said she made it clear I'm not talking about a full face of makeup or lace front. And all of that she said all I'm saying is could you please comb your hair? I'm not saying you don't have you don't have pride but the representation that you're showing someone will have to ask you to know if you have if you have it. It's not to get a man, it's just your representation of you, my sweet babies. <laughs> your thoughts.
1: My sweet babies. My sweet Listen, babies. So I have a very very real Soft spot in my heart, where Monique is sitting. She's sitting in that spot. I, lo- Monique, to me, is like got that auntie energy, and that like that. That's I felt like she decided that she was gonna be everybody's auntie, and say out loud what, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like what a what, lot of us are thinking. A a lot of us, or women of a certain, you know, position, age, whatever, are thinking. And I see it as that. I I receive it as that. I don't completely agree with it um, in its entirety. um, Because also, there are a lot of, especially young women and young women of color that don't feel the need to, you know, there's a whole lot of... um, Respectability politics that could be packed up in there. There's all kinds of, but at what point, But at
0: what point? I I started the show as I mentioned 2014, uh-huh. talking about people wearing SpongeBob pajamas and patting their head. You know, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah a I certain do. type, yeah. and you know, I I got called some things. But I, I, I contend and I'm not somebody, I'll go to the Whole Foods and sweats and with a scarf on, you know, I, now with the mask, I'm so happy. I'm so happy with the mask. I'm never taking it off because I like I, the anonymity of that. I don't want to dress yep. up to go to the supermarket, but pajamas, slippers, and, and stuff you should wear to bed. I, where's the line though?
1: Where's the line? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting. My daughter, when she went to college, she, she, she never wore pajama pants to class, Right. And she was like, mom, all these girls, like, and she was one of the few women of color at her school. And she was like, I just won't do it. I just won't do it. Like, I don't, I do not wear pajama pants and everyone was doing it, you know? And it was so funny because she saw it almost like as a white girl thing. Like they get to like be whatever, they've always gotten to be quote unquote bummy because no one's, you know, judging them, killing them, whatever. So they can come, they can come out, whatever. Right. And so to see it now being in this other kind of space, look, I see what you're saying. I have figured out some, you know what I mean? Like this, I do. I have I figured do. out some things. So we should have the same
0: right to be as bummy as bummy white. Girls. Listen, I that's all point. I'm
1: saying. It's like freedom, <laughs> freedom is complicated. If you're uh, saying, you know, I want y'all to be able to move freely throughout the world, then you're going to tell them how to do that. Complicated. But you got to acknowledge the like we need auntie energy in our community. We need someone to say like, you know, Monique is being that woman that would sit on the porch in the neighborhood and like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Who would tell you certain things, not to say that you're doing those things, but it looked like someone was looking out and cared about you. Even though there was a different generation Every generation does something that pisses the other one off. And uh, particularly about the way that they dress. That happens every generation. Your mama used to think, whatever, whatever. I remember going out the house with curlers. We would never. Oh, without going to church without stockings and a slip. Come on. So, you know, I just think, listen. Listen. Okay. I, I, I hear you. Think, I receive you. Yeah. I
0: receive you. Okay, what are good. you working on? That's Cause up. I know you're going to come back. I, I'm inviting you back. I want yes. you to sit. I want you to co-host with me. I want to have these conversations. This is, this is that space and I'm so grateful that you, you said yes. When I asked, what are you working yep. on? Cause uh, you've been doing a lot of TV behind the producing and all kinds of things. Mm. What you got?
1: Well, you know, I, I ducked out of the limelight to work on that uh, to partner with Mariah Carey on her memoir And part of
0: that- I forgot you did that. I forgot you did that. Damn it. Mm -hmm. All right. You got to come back just to talk about that. Yeah.
1: Cause that was a thing. Oh my goodness. It was amazing. What I did mostly was learn how to be an artist again. And like, that's why I pulled away from T- I pulled out of the light, uh, the limelight so that I could um, really- reawaken the artist practice in me and be like a writer writer not just someone who writes a blog or writes an opinion and you know tosses this out tosses it out working with Mariah made me be a writer again like or maybe a writer for the first time to be honest Ah. so that's what I'm doing now is more writing but I have a project um, that we'll be announcing in a couple of weeks that I'm so excited that there are so many fierce black women connected to okay. it. I all can't right. It.
0: So you got to come back, say nothing, but you coming back okay. and you're going to announce it on the Karen Hunter show. Promise, promise. I'll, I'll be, I'll be back. Okay. Yes. All right. Yay. All right. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Uh, yes, ma'am. All right. I, listen, it's nice meeting you. It's amazing that we've mm-hmm. never met. But this is uh this is not the I hope f- this is last one time. Of many oh this is not the last time because
1: there's so we got some we just we just touched on it. Yes, we did. It was just mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. a little bit.
0: Uh, I don't want to say happy you. memorial day, but you know, uh celebrate however you celebrate. Let's commemorate these ancestors from uh Tulsa, right. Oklahoma as well. And thank you That's so right. much for, for coming through and showing up. My Michaela pleasure. Angela Davis. Follow her at Michaela Angela D on the Twitters.